Law of One session 83. Let's begin this session talking about third density disease. Let's begin. In this first part, we're going to talk about different topics, actually, and some of them are going to lead into a discussion about disease in third density, and I think there's a lot of useful information there, so um, I think the majority of, of the information is going to be towards that. Um, but again, just as a refresher, we've been talking about the uh, prevail conditions and so that's going to be part of this discussion as Don wants to know uh, more of this difference between the experience prevail and how were things perceived and how things happen and uh, based on what he knows uh, what's the difference now in third density post veil so I don't have much to introduce the session. Uh, other than that, we're gonna talk about different topics, but mostly concentrate on that difference between pre-veil, post-veil, and talking about disease. So let's see what we have. Let's begin with the first question, which is Don asking as usual, could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? And Ross says it is as previously stated. Nothing new. Don asks in question two, could you please tell me why the instrument gains weight now instead of loses it after a session? So if you remember, she was losing weight before, now she's gaining weight. Ross says, very long answer, but it's not too complicated. They say, to assume that the instrument is gaining the weight of the physical bodily complex due to a session or working with Ra is erroneous. The instrument has no longer any physical material, which to any observable extent must be used in order to this contact, for this contact to occur. This is due to the determination of the group that the instrument shall not use the vital energy, which would be necessary since the physical energy complex level is in deficit. Since the energy, therefore, for these contacts is a product of energy transfer, the instrument must no longer pay this physical price. Therefore, the instrument is not losing the weight. There's more, they say, um, more things, but I wanted to pause here to um, actually make a remark that is, it's interesting that she was losing weight because apparently she was consciously or unconsciously dedicating her physical energy to the contact but once she became aware of that and all of them actually then they made the mental switch on to use vital energy uh, I'm sorry um, transferred energy vital energy is part of the physical energy so yeah it's just interesting that she she was now using transferred energy what's more important to me is that the sessions have been getting longer have you noticed that so since she was in that state of physical energy bankruptcy, as Ra called it, <laughs> um, see, she started using more transferred energy. 
which came in the form of, as I am aware of, sexual energy transfer and also uh, physical energy transfer that was through the exercise of fire. Don't ask me what it is. Uh, I don't know it. I think it's something that they did, particularly something that they learned somewhere. Um, and there is another energy transfer, which is the one of, I don't even know how to call it, but is that uh, energy of praying or like when you send, I forgot what rock called it, but when you're sending good energies, good vibes, as they say, to other people, then that's that type of energy transfer that she would also use. So, I don't know, I just find it very interesting that the sessions were getting longer and she was using now more transferred energy. So, all right, uh, because of that, she's not losing physical weight anymore. Good news. They continue saying, however, the weight gain as it occurs is the product of two factors. One is the increasing sensitivity of this physical vehicle to all that is placed before it, including that towards which it is distorted in ways you would call allergic. The second factor is the energizing of these difficulties. Um, I hope I'm not interpreting this wrong, <laughs> but Ross seems to say that um, Carla was just eating anything she found in front of her, right? The increasing sensitivity of this physical vehicle, her body, to all that is placed before it, right? Including that Taurus. Um, oh no, maybe, maybe that's just my interpretation. <laughs> Including that Taurus, which it is distorted in ways you would call allergic. So maybe it's just sensitivity in the sense of um, yeah, allergies. So she used to become insensitive to anything that was around her, uh, specifically, specifically allergies. I don't know. Somehow it just sounds like uh, she was. She started eating anything that came that it was placed before her. <laughs> uh, but no, I think it's um, it's just the allergic reaction or sensitivity of the body. The second factor is the energizing of these difficulties. Yes, so um, that means water retention, of course, when you're bloated because of allergies. Uh, yeah, you inflame inflammation and so on. Then Ra finishes saying, it is fortunate for the outlook of this contact and the incarnation of this entity that it is not distorted towards the overeating as the overloading of this much distorted physical complex would override even the most fervent affirmations of health illness and turn the instrument towards the distortions of illness health or in the extreme case, the physical death. So maybe there was an element there of overeating um, or eating like more sensitivity for, for food. I don't know, I'm kind of split there. What do you think? Um, you think she was overeating? Well, Ross says that she was not distorted towards overeating, so she was not overeating, but maybe, I mean, remember that throughout the year and change that has passed in these 80-something sessions, 
where are we? Uh, 1982, so it's been a year and three months, four months. Three months. Um, a year and a quarter, right? So in all that time, she lost a lot of weight. And due to that weight loss, she was having these difficulties with physical energy. And then now she has, um, she's gaining weight. So maybe she's eating more. I don't know. But yeah, good thing she's not, she was not an overeater. Um, that would That would have created health issues and also possibly physical death of eating too much, which is something, of course, we we know. You can't overeat. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Don says, thank you. I'm going to ask a rather long, complex question here, and I would request that the answer to each portion of this question be given in there if there was a significant difference prior to the veil than following the veil so that I can get an idea of how what we experience now is used for better polarization. So here we go with Don wanting to know, getting into pre-veil and post-veil. He says, asking if there is any significant difference and what and what was the difference before the veil in the follow, following while incarnate while incarnate in third density? Sleep, dreams, physical pain, mental pain, sex, disease, catalyst, programming, random catalyst, relationships or communication with the higher self or with the mind-body-spirit totality or any other mind-body-or-spirit functions before the veil that would be significant with respect to their difference after the veil. That's a very, uh, it's not only complex, but it's, it's, um, it's very ambitious. So there's a lot that Don wants to know here. Let's see what Ross says. They say, firstly, let us establish that both before and after the veil, the same conditions existed in time-space. That is, the veiling process is a space-time phenomenon. Okay, so time-space was always the same. Secondly, they say, the character of experience was altered drastically by the veiling process. In some cases, such as the dreaming in the contact with the higher self, the experience was quantitatively different due to the fact that the veiling is a primary cause of the value of dreams and is also the single door against which the higher self must stand awaiting entry. Let's keep reading. Before veiling, dreams were not for the purpose of using the so-called unconscious to further utilize catalysts but were used to learn teach from teach learners within the inner planes, as well as those for, of outer origin of higher density. As you deal with each subject of which you spoke, you may observe during the veiling process, not a quantitative change in the experience, but a qualitative one. So, um, the dream, however, right? First of all, I, I think that they're not going to cover all the points that don't ask about sleep, dreams, physical pain, sex, mental pain, disease, catalyst programming, random catalyst, all of this. So they're just going to generalize, I believe, and give an example in sex. That's it. 
Um, but the first thing to establish is that time space is always the same. So, okay, what are we dealing with here? We're talking about the face. I, Don was interested in this in the last session, if memory serves. He was talking about the conditions in, what was the purpose of the, um, between incarnations, that, that period between incarnations, which is after death, time space, life review, uh, programming, uh, healing, all of that. So he's interested in knowing uh, what's the difference pre and post veil. Did he say that? He didn't say anything about time space, but at least Ra is, is given that. He's saying time space is always the same. Why? Because after incarnation, uh, you go through the process of review, healing, if there was any healing to be done, which prior to the veil was no necessity for healing, uh, according to Ra. And yeah, just the conditions are the same in time space. You are still reviewing your incarnation for further experience, which is going to tie in beautifully with something else that I mentioned later on. So, okay, then they talk about the character of experience was altered drastically by the veiling process. We can definitely picture this as the difference between knowing who you are, knowing what you are, knowing what everything is, seeing the connection between everything and not doing so. And so by not doing so, you're having this experience right now in which you know how you feel. You see, it's very, uh, it's very different, isolated, segregated. The experience is, uh, it's more intense. So Ross says, in some cases, such as the dreaming and the content with the higher self, the experience was quantitatively different. So I suppose dreaming and contacting with higher self uh, is less than what it used to be, right? That's why it's quantitatively, refers to quantities. The amount of times you can communicate with higher self and uh, have dreams then were reduced after the veil. They say it's due to the fact that the veiling is a primary cause of the values of dreams and is also the single door against which the higher self must stand awaiting entry. Uh, maybe it's the opposite with dreaming. Maybe there is more dreaming now. They say it's the primary cause of the value of dreams. So I'm not sure on this what was before or after. I would think there would be more of the activity of dreaming before, if we see it as something that was available. But maybe there was no need for dreaming back then because you had communication. So maybe the change was now. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure on that. It could be, it could be the, the former or actually the latter. I'm not sure. And it's also the single door against which the higher self must stand awaiting entry. That seems to me actually that it is less communication now with higher self than what it used to be before. But it could I could be wrong. It could be the opposite or the other way around. I don't know. 
Then they say before veiling, dreams were not for the purpose of using the so-called unconscious to further utilize catalysts, but were used to learn teach from teach learners within the inner planes, as well as those of outer origin or of higher density. So in essence, dreams were used for for learning. They weren't used for processing catalysts or for studying catalysts, right? Uh, that's what we do now. Why? Because we're getting in touch with the unconscious. So in, in the dreaming state, you are, the conscious mind is exploring a little bit more the unconscious, and especially with whatever is happening right now. So it's, it's depicting what's happening in the unconscious mind. And so that is obviously due to catalyst, whatever it is that is worrying the mind that needs to be processed, that catalyst that is coming is going to be represented in dreams. So those of you who record your dreams and have your landscape of dreams, meaning that you know exactly, uh, well, not exactly, but you know a lot more the symbology of your dreams and what they mean, and you have been doing it for a while, then you know that this is a way for you to see what's happening in your life right now, uh, to be able to process Catalyst as, um, as it's happening in... Uh, in your life and then you dream about it and you have more information so that's what's happening now prior to the veil what was happening was that there was um, it was a doorway to communicate with uh, higher planes and even even inner planes so when Ra talks about inner planes they're talking about the uh, sub densities that exist right now so those that are related to at least to our chakras to our energy centers and those are the inner planes and then there is the outer origin of higher density which is just fourth fifth sixth density so you can imagine that um prior to the veil there was communication directly with why not i mean there was no veil there was no um there was no hiding of the connectedness of everything. So yeah, there was communication and that helped for teaching and learning. Not so much apparently because they didn't polarize um, or maybe, I don't know, the teach learner, uh, teacher learning wasn't that efficient <laughs> because they were still stuck in third density, not polarizing. But yeah, then Ra finishes and says, as you deal with each subject of which you spoke, you may observe during the veiling process, not a quantitative change in the experience, but a qualitative one. So in essence, uh, mental pain, sex, uh, what else did Don say? Catalyst, of course, programming, random catalyst, relationships, communication with the higher self, uh, or any other function has been uh, qualitatively changed, not quantitatively, meaning the quality of it uh, has been in increased by this veiling process. This makes sense again, because we have been talking about how pallid and uh, in incipient this, this um, uh, incipient, is that the right word? I'm not sure. Um, Insipido, meaning uh, not not flavor, not not intense, not colorful, 
that was the experience pre-veil so now after the veil everything intensifies so that's what i believe Rod's talking about here when they say qualitative one more quality to a um, uh, higher quality I, I should say and this is a decision that the logos made because um, there was no polarization so we had to draw the veil and that makes sense because now there is an intensity of experience especially this drama I love the Hindu description of the cosmos. I really do, because I think that is the ultimate um, purpose of, of the creator, which is to enjoy itself. You see, it's just one infinite experience. Think about it as your imagination. If you can improve your imagination to live, to experience your imagination, wouldn't you do it? Of course you would, because you're safe. Nothing's happening to you. But you can have all kinds of things happen to you in your imagination and you can experience them. That's exactly what's happening. So um, the cosmos is not a random thing that's happening. It's not created by anybody who is watching. And there are no rules, nothing. It's just one imagination, one dream. And the purpose of it is experience, as Ra says, and the quality of it is it's drama. You know, what will happen? You know, what could happen if I add in all these factors? One of those factors was the veil. And lo and behold, here we are uh, wondering if we are actually alone in this universe or if consciousness is something that is only in the brain and all these things that create the, the drama of um, the depressed humanity. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually, it's so beautiful that even those who I would call philosophers of science, hardcore science, materialist science, they still um, produce this um, nostalgic view of the universe where they say, heat death, everything will decay into nothingness. Well, that's how we started, right? So everything will go back to um, to its original state nothingness no movement at all but all right let's move on with this last part of the question ross says let us as an example choose your sexual activities of energy transfer if you have a desire to treat other subjects in detail please query forthwith in the instance of the sexual activity of those not dwelling within the veiling, each, each activity was a transfer. There were some transfers of strength. Most were rather attenuated in the strength of the transfer due to the lack of veiling. In the third density, entities are attempting to learn the ways of love. If it can be seen that all are one, being it becomes much more difficult for the undisciplined personality to choose one mate and thereby initiate itself into a program of service. It is much more likely that the sexual energy will be dissipated more randomly without either great joy or great sorrow, depending from the experiences, from these experiences. Uh, there's a little bit more. Maybe I should just read that. Ross says, Finally, therefore, the green ray energy transfer being almost without exception the case in sexual energy transfer prior to the veiling 
remains weakened and without significant crystallization. The sexual energy transfers and blockages after veiling have been discussed previously. It may be seen to be a more complex study, but one far more efficient in crystallizing those who seek the green ray energy center. Um, okay, so this is something that Ra knows a lot about because they were a very sexual oriented society, civilization, humanity, I don't know, can't call them humans. But they, they say that they sort of excelled or um, not excel, they didn't say excel, but they they participated a lot or explored a lot the sexual energy transfer in their third density experience. So, um, so they're using sex as a, a way to describe the difference between pre-veil and post-veil. So pre-veil, if you know that everything is one being, right? Uh, choose uh, in the instant of the sexual activity uh, what's this yes they say okay so yeah they use sex and they say uh, those not dwelling within the veiling each activity was a activity was a transfer so that's an important thing you see um, I guess because there is no separation then there is no uh, so you lose the capacity of having this strong relationship with somebody, this very intense, uh, I can't call it romantic, but it could be romantic. Uh, but yeah, this intense um, merging with the other or desire to merge with the other that was not present before because why would you do that where when you can see that everybody is as the one being so it's you you see so you can see how it's as Ross said the experiences are attenuated right most were rather attenuated in the strength of the transfer due to the lack of failing and it makes sense why would you want to prefer somebody or have a strong uh, deep desire of the other that's what causes this this uh, strong attachment to people here, right? And it's something that um, Buddhists talk about extensively of how that's just part of our own ignorance. And you see, in a way, um, pursuing this path is a way to get out of desire or I shouldn't even say get out of desire, like if there's somebody there to get out of desire, but to watch desire transmute into a equanimous love for everything. Um, so this is this is a very very uh, descriptive view of how reality works. But yeah, transfer was uh, each each activity was a transfer. There was an uh, there was an immediate connection with the other person, but that connection wasn't very strong. I think that's the way I can put it. Prior to the veil, there was immediate connection with everybody. You were in ecstasy all the time, 
but there wasn't a strength to it. There wasn't a passion to it. That's what it was missing, passion. Then they say in the third density, entities are attempting to learn the ways of love. Well, that's the purpose here. Very important point. We're learning the ways of love. That's what third density is about. We learn the lessons of separation as, as an individual. That was second density to third density. That's why we're, we're still riding this orange wave, if you will, of the second density to third density animalistic behavior of territoriality, uh, competition, uh, survival, and dominance over the other species. And of course, humans are another species because they're not you, right? That's how separated we've gotten. At least packs in the wild take care of each other. Uh, not so much here. <laughs> uh, I was watching a video on the Russian Revolution last night and with my son and we were we were saying like, I mean, there is there has always been this segregation of uh, patriotic views and um, no offense to anybody, but it seems like the Russian history has been played with just uh, selfishness, like total selfishness of people in in power, let's just put it that way, because it wasn't a government, but we can call it a government. In any case, we're so, um, we're so used to that behavior. But in any case, we're, we're moving into uh, learning the ways of love. How do, we, how do we appreciate this this life? You know, how, how do we melt back into that uh, prevail condition, which is really what we're aiming for, right? That's, that's what third density is about. But Ra is talking about the prevail condition in which, yes, even there, there's a lack of love or intensifying of the love. Ra says, if it can be seen that all, or, uh, all are one being, <laughs> it becomes much more difficult for the undisciplined personality to choose one mate. And so start a program of service with, with someone. Which is, again, it's one way. You don't have to pick a partner. You don't have to pick. If you, if you are asexual or simply don't want partners, uh, people that's that's a very real thing some people are not interested in having you know a, a wife husband boyfriend girlfriend whatever you want to call it a partner a sexual intimate partner you don't have to so Ross says it is much more likely that sexual energy will be dissipated more randomly without either great joy or great sorrow depending from these experiences right so that sexual energy is just um, dissipated yeah that's a good word as opposed to intensify or concentrate and then finally they say that the green ray energy transfer being almost without exception the case in sexual energy transfer prior to the veiling um, the green ray energy transfer being almost without exception the case in sexual energy transfer prior to the veiling although it was there was no possibility to block the the heart in energy transfer through sex because there was no ego there was no sense of separate self prior to the veil 
You see, that was not possible. Um, although that was, how do I describe this? I, I think you get the, the picture already without me describing it. There was no blockages. So all transfers were of the heart, but they were weak and without significant crystallization. Somehow it is needed that this becomes intense, that we become intense in our love for reality. It doesn't have to be another person. It's just another person represents also you. you see, and you collapse this, you, you use this. That's the program of service that Ross talking about here. And I'll emphasize, you don't need to have somebody with you. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who has uh, the perfect relationship. I've always said it. Uh, ups and downs always, but I have the perfect relationship with Julie. And it's not the perfect, but my perfect relationship or our perfect relationship. And yet uh, I recognize that this is not needed. I, I, I certainly don't need her and she doesn't need me. We're just happy to be together and enjoy and have very little of those, oh, I'm not sure what you're going to say if I say this or if I want this or if I want to do this. There is none of that anymore, and so um, that has that has <laughs> that that has been a program of service through the years to get to this point. But uh, it is possible, and I think everybody yearns for this, but they're too afraid of letting go of their ego and their own selfish needs, which is not a criticism. It's just how we are, and I know. I can speak by experience. Letting go of my ego with her has been a tremendous uh, healing, what, how, how do I call it? Uh, healthy is not the word. Well, it's been healthy, but a healing process for all of us, for both of us. Well, yeah, all of us, because if I heal, you heal, right? <laughs> I think that's said in that's said in the course of miracles. I recently just read that from somebody who quoted it in my Patreon. And thank you, Patrick, if you're listening. All right, it may be seen uh, to be a more complex study, the one to do, you know, with this this program of service, but one far more efficient in crystallizing those who seek the green ray energy center. I can attest to that. But I can also attest to the next question. I don't think I have much to say here. Um, we, we got the illustration, we got the picture of Prevail, very little interaction between each other, um, intensely, uh, it was just too general, and now very intense because we seek that. I can go on for a while here, but I won't because there's so much to talk about here. In question four, Don says, let's take then, since we are on the subject of sex, the relationship before and after the veil of disease. In this particular case, venereal disease. Was this type of disease in existence prior to the veil? Ross says, there has been that which is called disease, both of this type and others, before and after this great experiment. However, since the venereal disease is in large part a function of the thought forms of a distorted nature which are associated with sexual energy blockage. The venereal disease is almost entirely the product of mind-body-spirit complexes interaction after the veiling. This is a very, very, very crucial 
uh, and um, the beginnings of a controversial topic, which is what is disease, and should be should we be concerned with disease? Again, it's a sensitive topic, especially nowadays where everybody is concerned about their health. Um, but it's one that can, uh, if you're following this path, of course, if you're watching this video, you're quite interested in the metaphysics behind this. Um, the seas is created in the mind, of course, and this sort of solves a lot of the mysteries that we have because our model says that you are naturally a healthy person. Well, that's not fully uh, true, <laughs> but in general, if you're healthy, you're healthy, and then there are external things that are causing you uh, to be deceased, to be ill and to be affected by uh, bacteria, viruses and um, fungos or fungi, all kinds of alive things that want to feed from you. Well, uh, this is actually a like I said, a very complex um, topic. But I think I can get away with saying that it is not only the function of a virus or a bacteria or fungi, and you are just a victim. You see, you have to have the environment. And I think this has been recognized more and more lately, thanks to uh, our previous pandemic where everybody got interested and more doctors started talking about not only the establishment but more of what it really is and so we have been talking about this environment that we have in our bodies and we are prone to certain disease um, that environment is of course created by the mind and that's why we have uh, especially talking about venereal disease people who are who have the virus of HIV and they don't uh, they don't suffer it they don't they have no issues or people who go into infected areas and they serve their nurses and doctors and they're fine because their their environment is not uh, welcome in these uh, this disease you know it's, it's the people who are sick who who get this. This is also associated to when people are in harmony with themselves, they they don't get sick. Uh, normally, you see, everybody can get sick, and that's fine. Um, doesn't mean that you're you're failing, you're sinning. <laughs> uh, you may have some uh, propensities. For example, in my case, somehow I developed asthma when I was nine months old. Um, you can say that that was a pre-incarnative decision or you can say that that was something from a previous incarnation which I brought here and I need to heal. I don't know. I just don't know. I just know that I have that uh, propensity. And when I was a child, I suffer more than what now I can possibly get when allergies kick in as just recently. So there are so many things that can can come into play. But in general, there is the thought forms. That's what That's the key part. See, because Ra is saying here, uh, there has been that which is called disease, both of this type, venereal, and others. So, yes, disease was always a, a thing before and after the veil. They call it this great experiment, which I agree. It's great. 
Uh, Ross says, since venereal disease is in large part a function of the thought forms of a distorted nature which are associated with sexual energy blockage, the venereal disease is almost entirely the product of mind-body-spirit complexes interaction after the veiling. So, the venereal disease is mostly a manifestation of our sexual blockages, sexual energy blockages. And they talked about these blockages before, which is the fear of being possessed or the desire to possess or uh, the fear, I forget what's, the, it always confuses me the way they said it. Um, the desire to possess or the desire to be possessed, the fear to possess or the fear to be possessed. Yeah, the, those are the main blockages that uh, happen. Um, and they come in all kinds of forms. So all of us have a story in our minds that um, can create blockages. These are just some of the blockages I see because others can be, um, which I have experiences that sex is sort of perversion or something that uh, is not, um, because it's not well seen by everybody. We don't talk about it. We keep it high. You, nobody wants, it's dirty. You know, it's a, it's something that, you know, and even, even the, 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 the methods in which um, I kind of agree with something that Scott Mandelker said here and it stuck with me that um, the way we prevent this venereal disease is by the use of condoms which again see I told you this was going to be controversial but like he said it is a way to degrade the act of sex it is you know I, I'm going to get intimate with you, but I'm going to put this around me so I don't touch you, <laughs> you know? So it becomes this thing that I want to do, but it's just so filthy that I need to be isolated from you. Yes, I know there is uh, a use for contraception there, but we're talking about venereal disease here. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot to be uh, talked about there. like. Uh, why do you want to be with a person that you don't you don't trust? <laughs> that's a, that's the first question, you know. If you don't trust each other, if there's things hiding, then why? You see. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really interesting. There's so much again we can talk about here. Here's another one. Uh, I don't know what the statistics are now, but I'm pretty sure it's the same or more. But 50% or more of people on earth who have engaged in sexual activity and even possibly not not even I don't know how the transmission is um, hmm is it the HPV I forget the um, HPV is it let me just make sure that it is so I don't speak nonsense is the um, yeah the human papilloma papilloma virus um, I know it is Spanish, so I always get it. I mix them. <laughs> Not only that, but yeah. Anyhow, so this is an STD uh, or an STI, and uh, half of the people who have sex have it. You see, so are we all infected? Yes, but do we manifest it? No, because viruses are 
dormant. They're just there. You know, they're just part of you know the database, and they can act and manifest and create this disease uh, or not. And they can become cancerous, of course. Everything can. So it's not a matter uh, of of infection. You are infected of all kinds of uh, viruses. Ask the uh, the Indians if you can find one, because when the Europeans came here, they were totally healthy, and all they did was just share their um, DNA database <laughs> with the others, and not that wasn't through sex; it was just through breathing and everything. They mixed the uh, the virus makeup of Europe here and it blasted the majority of people think that it was the uh, you know the conquistadors that came here and killed all the Indians no it was the seas <laughs> that's what wiped the Indians here um, so you see there is um, there is there is these, uh, this infection, but it's the thought forms that create that sort of um, disease in the body. Uh, I'm not surprised that at the moment that the Europeans came over and sharing this new sort of virus that they didn't have, well, the Indians here, or the Indian tribes, they weren't too pacific or peaceful. Uh, <laughs> they were increasingly becoming um, this topic, I would say, like just human sacrifice was a thing going on left and right. It was just crazy. So, yeah, you can imagine that um, in such a society and with the... Um, distribution of viruses then that's what you get you get catalyst my friend so it's okay in any case um why did i deviate so much where am i uh okay so since the venereal disease is in large part a function of the thought forms of a distorted nature which are associated with sexual energy blockage then the disease is almost entirely a product of us, post-veil. So, yeah, think, give it a, a good think. It's, um, it's interesting that that's what's causing the, the disease. It's us. We are always the cause of it. So, might as well own to it. And yes, you know, I don't want to ignore the fact that there is... I've, I've said it a couple of times, but I'll just reinforce it. Yes, there is transmission, just like there is transmission of thoughts. You see, here's the best example. If I tell you you're an idiot, okay, that's me. That's I'm the virus right here. You're an idiot. And that goes into you. you. See, you're infected with the the thought I am an idiot because Gabe said it. Okay, but what are you going to do with that? See, or how it's not you. How is that processed through your mind? Probably laughing at this point, smiling, or maybe you're upset. Who knows? That depends on you. So the same in the same way, that's how this develops. Let's move on. Question five. Don says, You mention you mention it. You mention it. You mention it did exist in a small way prior to the veil. 
What was the source of its development prior to the veiling process? Good question. So how did this develop prior to the veil? If it was only a mind-body-spirit complex, and complex is post-veil. Ross says, the source was a as random as the nature of deceased distortions are, at heart, in general. Each portion of the body complex is in a state of growth at all times. The reversal of this is seen as disease and has the beginning or the benign function of ending an incarnation at an appropriate space-time nexus. This was the nature of disease, including that which you call venereal. So really, really important point here. Um, and this is... This is beautiful, actually. <sighs> I think we're going to uh, to expand a little bit more on this, but let me set the stage. Hmm. Disease is random in that uh, it's thought patterns, right? It's part of the... Even prior to the veil, there was, of course, surprising or unknown things being uh, becoming part of our uh, experiential continuum meaning that although we knew who we were and what everybody was and the connectiveness of all of us we didn't know everything obviously if we knew everything then would we wouldn't exist imagine that you know everything that could possibly happen potentially happen has happened everything you would know absolutely nothing you see you see how this plays out you have to have ignorance to know things and if you know everything you know nothing so thanks to ignorance you know things and this is something that i find it funny in philosophers when they pose the question will we ever know everything you can't you can't only infinity knows everything and therefore has no experience. Infinity must veil itself, which is not the veil of forgetting, but it is tied to it. I think it's there, there is a beautiful correlation there, but I don't, I don't want to mix it. Infinity becomes aware that is veiling itself. See, an immediate veil is drawn. I can know myself. See, that's the initial thought. And I will know myself. That's infinity. Uh, and infinity is conscious, is awareness. So clearly it wants to become aware of itself through experience. Now, um, where was I? Oh yes. So, uh, so the, the purpose of evolution as we know it is and I mean as we know it here in the Law of One, is that consciousness goes through different stages of um, coalescing into matter, then moving and growing. That's what animals and plants do. They move and grow, and then eventually become self-aware. That's third density. So we're still in this process of moving and growing. The body particularly moves and grows, right? It's ever-changing, always changing. And so awareness must adapt to that change without effort. If 
we put resistance to the change, then the seize may happen. We know this. I don't have to explain this too much. So, Ross says, um, each portion of the body complex is in a state of growth at all times. Growth and movement. You see, cells divide, they die, but they grow new ones. DNA does the same thing. At a very core level, this is what's happening in our bodies. You see, that's the matrix of the body. If I can throw in the archetypical mind there, that's the matrix of the body, always changing, right? Um, always moving and always in balance. So imagine that we're always growing. Mentally, we're always adapting to the growth of reality because your body is not just this physical, uh, biological suit. It's everything. Everything that is around you. The air is your body. The space around you is your body. The floor is your body. The ceiling, if there is a ceiling, the sky, whatever. Everything is your body. As a state of acceptance and appreciation, love. Acceptance, love, appreciation, all the same thing. Now, the reversal of this, no desire for growth, uh, is seen as disease and has the benign function. You see, we see it as oh, some sort of issue. Um, well, it could be an alarm. You know, it could be there is an uncontrolled growth. Well, we know this as infection in the sense of bacteria when we, we talk about a bacterial growth or fungi. There's more of this growing, uncontrolled. Sounds familiar? Yes, cancer is the same thing. But it's an uncontrolled growth of cells. You're not supposed to grow that way, but you're doing it. So that is the, the cause of disease. It's a reversal of this desire to grow. And so things start happening in a way that um, its, uh, its purpose is benign, like Ross says, to end the incarnation. This was the nature of disease, including that which you call venereal. So all types of disease that was present in the prevail condition had the purpose of ending the incarnation. Or at least that's what disease is. Um, I have used my father's um, story several times, and I think it's because it's very useful for me to capture this meaning. Um, again, my father was not the most uh, health-oriented lifestyle person. Um, no exercise. He worked a lot. Um, his diet was just comprised of processed food. Mostly, not mostly, but uh, he would include a lot of processed food. And just in general, his lifestyle wasn't healthy. Um, he wasn't an alcoholic, but he would drink alcohol. Um, and he was fine. He was a healthy dude, very healthy dude. Um, never got sick. And if he got sick, it was just for hours, literally hours, like four in the afternoon. He said, I think I'm getting sick. The next day after he slept, woke up perfectly fine, you know, going to work, never miss work for being sick. Um, and suddenly after my mother died, he died inside. He just decided that, I mean, he didn't consciously decide it, but he just 
felt like his life was no more. And suddenly he got sick and he died within less than a year. So yeah, it's a, it's a function of, of you and not wanting to live anymore. Disease will take over because you're in a constant state of growth. Something has to grow. And if it's not your desire to live, then there's going to be other organisms or your own body working to end your incarnation. That makes a lot of sense. And of course, prevail, I suppose this mechanism had to be in place for people to die somehow. All right, I think I'm gonna cover one or two more questions depending on where we are. I think this is a long question, let's see. Yeah, it's a long question, but we're going to have a very short answer by Ra, I think. Let's see. Question six, Don says, I'll make this statement and you can correct me then. As I see the nature of the action of disease, specifically before the veil, it seems to me that the Logos had decided upon a program where an individual mind-body-spirit would continue to grow in mind and the body would be the third density analog of this mind. And the growth would be continual unless there was a lack of growth or an inability for some reason for the mind to continue along the growth patterns. This is actually pretty good. He continues and says, if this growth decelerated or stopped, then what we call disease would then act in a way so as to eventually terminate this physical experience so that a new physical experience could be started to continue the growth process after a review of the entire process had taken place between incarnations. Would you clear up my thinking on that, please? But Ra simply says, your thinking is sufficiently clear on this subject, which I think it was, I don't know how Don used to do this, but this is brilliant, the way he described it. Um, and I'm not gonna reread it, but I would suggest that you do because he is describing the process of how the mind is in continuous growth. The mind is always changing. And that's because the mind doesn't want to get stuck with one experience. Obviously, the mind is made to have experiences. That's the purpose of the mind. That's the vehicle of awareness, let's call it. That's the, the vehicle of awareness to, to move in experience, in the experiential continuum. Uh, you can even call it the reason why the spirit or yeah, how spirit connects itself with the physical creation. You can describe it in many ways, but the point is that the mind is always in this process of movement. And when there is resistance to it, then we cause this sort of disease. Eventually when the when awareness has seen enough through this body, then it decides to end the incarnation. This also accounts for the peaceful death of many mystics who uh, simply know that their time is coming because they just, they just know it. They just feel that they have done enough and that they're happy with their lives. And you don't have to be a mystic to, uh, to know this. You can just know it. You know when your life is ending. Um, so, and I mean ending because of, you know that you don't want anything else from life. So that's what Don is describing here. And Ra says that is sufficiently clear. Let's see what we have. All right, I'll cover one more. Let's go to question seven. 
Here we go. Question seven, Don says, one thing I don't understand is why, if there was no veil, what the review of incarnation after the incarnation would help the process. Did he say that? Did I read that wrong? Let's read it again. One thing I don't understand is why, if there was no veil, that the review of incarnation after the incarnation would help the process, since it seems to me that the entity should already be aware of what was happening. Possibly this has to do with the nature of space-time and time-space. Could you clear that up, please? Ross says, it is true that the nature of time-space is such that a lifetime may be seen whole as a book or a record. The pages studied, rifled through, and reread. However, the value of review is that of the testing as opposed to the studying. At the testing, when the test is true, the distillations, distillations of all study are made clear. During the process of study, which you may call the incarnation, regardless of an entity's awareness of the process taking place, the material is diffused and over-attention is almost inevitably plays upon detail. They finish saying, the testing upon the cessation of the incarnative state is not that testing which involves the correct memorization of many details. This testing is rather the observing of self by self, often with aid as we have said. In this observation one sees the sum of all the detailed study, that being an attitude or a complex of attitudes which bias the consciousness of the mind-body-spirit. No longer complex, if you notice that. So, okay, we're talking about the process of review. This is the interim between incarnations. So that space between one life and the other, we have talked about this as healing, which wasn't needed back then, but review and reprogramming. So what was the purpose is what Don is saying. If they knew everything, why would they need that period? Now, Ra talks about this as a sort of test. They say that because we can see life as a book. If you have read or heard about uh, near-death experiences, you have seen that they um, they talk about this. Uh, I saw my life in a flash. It was like I could see everything that I have done in one uh, one single memory or movie sometimes they describe it it was just all at once so that's the nature of time space uh, you can get glimpse, glimpses of this in your own mind because your mind is the channel to time space or is time space it navigates in time space you can see you can go back to the past you can project the future you can do all these things with your mind right that's what we're concerned with as humans so Yes, your whole life can be seen at once. And so you can you can review the whole thing. Yep. But the value of review is that of the testing as opposed to the studying. That kind of makes sense because you want to test, you want to see, you want to grade yourself. It's not that you want to, is that grading is natural. Also, let me go back to NDEs, near-death experiences where people say, 
this is the value you see of people who have had these experiences. They say um, they they did that they tested themselves. You see, they go through the process of testing and they say, you know, I I I feel like I should not have spent so much time overthinking things or being worried about life or uh, working or doing too much of this, but rather spending more quality times, enjoying life more, and so on. So this is the type of um, impact that this experience has you are able to see your life from a different point of view and more clear right so that's the testing ross says at the testing when the test is true the distillations of old study are made clear the study is the life the life study everything that happened in your life that's the study why is it a study because you be in awareness you want to know what would happen if you are in a place like where you are right now okay so you put yourself in that position which is your life and you study every single reaction that's the process of study and learning right they're tied in together so study and learning happening through the life and that is um the testing is the desolation of all this study when it's made clear. Because during the process of study, which you call incarnation, so during your life, regardless of an entity's awareness of the process taking place, the material is diffused. It doesn't matter how much awareness you have of this process, um, the material is still diffused for this experience. And over-attention is almost inevitably plays upon detail. Uh, you become narrow-focused. See, this is why um, we, we suggest that if you, if you want to liberate your mind from this constriction, this stress, this worry, this fear, this anxiety, this depression, we, we go back to the simplicity of the floodlight. The floodlight that illuminates everything, has no preference for anything, and is able to see all in light of what it is. As opposed to the spotlight, which is a very concentrated concentrated beam of light, which shines uh, specifically, specifically on small things, right? That is over-attention. That is the over-attention. It's the constriction of the, the floodlight into a spotlight. Um, like a laser sometimes but you see the trade-off here is that you are ignoring the rest there is no light there is everything is everything else is in darkness you can't see it so that is what's called being in the present uh, becoming aware that you are aware having no mind this is what the whole premise of zen is based on simply be here all your presence all your energy is right here, right now. When it's required by the mind to have a thought, you know how to use it and you go back. You're not constantly thinking and overthinking. And choo -choo 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 -choo. See, overthinking, overattention is almost inevitably place upon detail. Um, think about it, I mean, realize it. <laughs> Don't think about it. Realize that your mind is always there. You know, it's always going, if I should have done, maybe I should do this, you know, next time I talk to her, I'm just not going to go because what does she think I'm going to say? 
this and I can't believe you know this is, this person should have done maybe I should have it's always talking it's always blah 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 and you're there you're investing you're you think you are that you need to be prepared you know it gives you this anxiety you have to be prepared no you don't need to unless you want to but do you want to that's the question don't become um victim of your own mind don't become a slave of your own mind let me put it that way okay ra says the testing upon the cessation of the incarnative state is not the, that testing the testing upon the cessation of the incarnative state is not that testing which involves the correct memorization of many details okay so yes when you die the purpose is not to memorize all the details right yes the overattention to details it's not to memorize all those details this testing is rather the observing of self by self often with aid as we have said yes um, those are the um, guardians or angels or uh, those positive thought patterns that are aiding you in this process in this observation one sees the sum of all the detailed study that being an attitude or a complex of attitudes which bias the consciousness of the mind body spirit so again they emphasize that this is not about memorizing all the details to keep those in mind and somehow that's just going to help you in your process no it's just seeing how did you react to all those details that happened the details are useless right now what happened happened like we say don't dwell in the past because that's non-existent what's ex what's really important is how you feel about everything you see your current state of being how is it are you depressed are you anxious are you worried are you happy uh, are you dependent are you attached are you detached all of these things is how you feel right now that's what matters but if how you feel right now is dependent on the past or on the future then you're not here you're paying attention to details all those details are unnecessary completely unnecessary so one goes into the present once again and when you die you simply see those biases that were developed towards specific things that seem to be very important they're not they're just there to make you to see how you feel and awareness just wants to feel at peace see that's that's his purpose so um what else can i say here before we finish cessation of the incarnate state uh i guess just hmm, say again that it doesn't matter um it doesn't really matter what has happened in your life it's how you feel about it because you see why why am i saying this because this is what really matters after you die see on the cessation of this experience as whatever body you have and whatever uh, history you have at the end of that all that matters all that matters is how you feel about it what were your biases and remember the purpose here is to love all things so how can you do that how can you love all things well you have to find within yourself that which is already loving it doesn't require any action 
because otherwise you're asking how can my separate self become complete uh, and that can never happen separate complete can be together so your separate part of the self needs to dissolve so the self is always complete it's only the illusion of separation that makes it incomplete it makes it want to go seeking seeking for its completeness it will never happen my friends uh, it's like trying to uh, chase the edge of the universe <laughs> there is no edge so you will never find it you'll just keep finding more and more universe um, and yes that is that is all that matters I can really see it, say this with my heart um, but all right conclusions uh, what was of interest here aside from this last piece yeah I'll just mention something that came to mind before almost everybody says yes I know that I'm not this body that when I die right when I die something's going to die not me because I will continue I cannot die if I'm going to continue so it sounds like an oxymoron there <laughs> but okay we say when this body dies I will continue the question is who is the I that is going to continue have you ever thought about that you you kind of you see um, we tend to use this as a survival extension of the human body saying well you know there's something else out there and of course you know whatever my mind is that's what's going to continue and I'll be responsible for that and so on it's a it's an entry-level explanation for what happens at least in my books um, but it's not enough I think we can explore it a little bit more I that is a little bit more deep just a little bit more deeper than the idea of when I die I either go to heaven or hell but it requires a little bit more study just like you would tell somebody who says that uh, yeah but what is hell and what is heaven and I think the question lies in who who is the self that is going to to continue on like how do you picture yourself dying not the body we said the body is just a vessel a meat suit okay so what's going to continue what part of my mind well Ross has something interesting a long time ago already given the years that have passed me covering this material probably a couple of years ago I covered the part where they talked about death maybe not maybe it was a little bit more recent I can't remember uh, but they talked about death and they said uh, they weren't talking about death I think they were talking about yeah what happens it, it, it was death what happens after after we die and what what's maintained and the answer that Ra gave was that um, just like the body is completely unnecessary for the mind to exist much of what we think of ourselves is loss Don was asking what is loss in the process of death and Ra said much of what is lost is the unnecessary stuff that you have in your mind thinking of yourself so in essence there is a physical 
illusion, which is the body. I am this body. And there is a mental illusion, which is the mind thinking I am this thing and all my, my biases and all of this, all of that goes away. And at the center of it all is that love that you are. And how much of that love was able to be, forget about anything, anything, absolutely anything that has to do with your mind and your body. Just the pure love that you can have for everything at this moment. That's what remains in my opinion, in my view. So aren't we in the ways of love, learning the ways of love here? Of course we are. That's because we want that love for the creation to enhance, to increase. And I'm going to say this confidently, this love can only be seen and experienced from the inner self that you are, not from the outside. Okay. So this is the moment where I say, if you enjoy this series, please, please consider supporting me on Patreon because that's the only platform I have right now for communicating with people like you who are interested in these topics. And I could definitely use your support there. Um, links in the description as usual. Um, I have nothing else to say, but We'll probably finish this, definitely finish this in two more parts. So part two is next. Take good care of yourself and I'll see you there.